everyone. You are tuning in to Learn FM. My name is Lian Tan, and I invite you to join me on a learning adventure through this podcast, where we discuss topics related to learning, growth, personal development, and more. I hope that you are able to digest the information that we'll be sharing and start applying some simple tips and tricks into your daily life. And don't forget to share your learnings with others, because when we learn together, we grow together. I highly recommend that you take time off screen to listen to this, or even go outside for a walk. Of course, please be mindful of your surroundings and stay safe. This podcast is brought to you by DSM. DSM is a global, purpose-led company in health, nutrition, and bioscience, applying science to improve the health of people, animals, and the planet. DSM's purpose is to create brighter lives for all. In this episode, we will be discussing about the importance of nutrition for animals. Why is it important for us to look at animal nutrition? Well, one of the many reasons is that healthy animals are more productive, have a lower impact on the environment, and less need for antibiotic treatment. There are so many other factors of animal nutrition, and how at DSM we use our expertise to ensure animal health and welfare. So let us welcome our special guest today, a huge animal lover herself, Christy Chavis, Vice President, Animal Nutrition and Health Performance Solutions at DSM, to tell us more about the importance of animal nutrition. Hi, Christy. How are you feeling today? Hey, Leanne. It's great to be here. I'm super excited to be talking about animal agriculture and nutrition and health and sustainability. All my favorite topics. So, Christy. Why are we here today to talk about animal nutrition and health? Well, first of all, it's a fun topic, so make no mistake about that. But I think it's even more important to talk about considering that as a population, we are getting more and more removed from animal and food production. We're getting more and more removed because think about it: we're not living on the farms anymore. Today, only one out of ten people touches food production. Several generations ago, that number would have looked very, very different. I can tell you that it was my grandfather was the last in my own family that made his living on the farm.、Um, so even someone who grew up very, very close to the farm, I'm starting to my children now would be another generation removed from living and working the farm. And so, as a society, we're becoming less and less familiar and understanding. Of animal agriculture and how important agriculture is, and how it can be different, and how the role that it plays in our food production. So, Christy, before we begin, we have some icebreaker questions for you. What is your favorite animal? Oh, my favorite animal. Okay, this is a tough one because I have a lot of animals. I have dog, cats,、um, but of course, I grew up on a farm with cattle, pigs, and horses.、Uh, but the favorite one would be horses. Um, I spent my hobby, my time, and my hobby life as an equestrian, doing horse show jumping, and、uh, so for sure, that's my true love. Wow! What is your favorite or most surprising scientific discovery to you?、Uh, that would have to be the microbiome. The fact that we are 
ruled by not only the microbiome in our gut, but the microbiome that connects with the skin microbiome. And the fact that as we're learning more and more about this area of science, it feels like we're just ruled by this collection of bacteria (laughs) and this collection of bacteria trying to figure out how to be humans. Oh, Thank you for sharing this. What's the best advice you've ever received? Um, but I think the advice that uh, I think about on a regular basis is to always give more than you get. So in other words, borrow, if you borrow something, return it in a better condition than you found it. Any interaction with individuals, try to give more than you receive. Well, last question for you is, what is your guilty pleasure? Uh, well, chocolate and red wine, maybe chocolate and red wine together. Thank you. Let's talk a little bit about yourself, Christy. I'm very curious how you came into this field of animal nutrition. (laughs) Okay, that's a good question. So first of all, I grew up on a diversified farm in the Midwest in the U.S. And what does that mean? A diversified farm at the time I grew up would be synonymous with unprofitable. We had a few acres and crops. We had some sows that we raised farrow to finish. Farrow to finish meaning the, the mama pigs giving birth um, to the pigs and then raising those up for, for slaughter. And then we also had a beef operation as well. And so um, at that time, we were... We were very diversified, but yet at the same time, farm policy was changing in the U.S. and my parents were no longer able to make a living from the farm and so both sought jobs off the farm. Um, But I always had that love for the animals, have the love for for agriculture overall. So I went to college fully expecting to become a veterinarian and returning to to rural America. Um, But while I was in college, I had the opportunity to work for a professor who was studying molecular biology. And I became very, very interested in the science side of things. And so through that experience was exposed to opportunities to work in corporations that had the vision and had the scale to think about science in a completely different way than I'd ever thought of growing up. So through that, decided to go to graduate school and then had the opportunity to join company and work in animal research. So that's your story, but let's hear a little bit about, you know, Why are we in this business of animal nutrition at DSM? Yeah, good question. You know, DSM was always one of those companies that that picked my curiosity. Um, And DSM had the opportunity to get into vitamin manufacturing business years ago. And what's interesting, evolved the business from just the essential vitamins. Those are the must-haves, you must have or, or you will not survive, to thinking about how nutrition is evolving and this intersection between nutrition and health is growing stronger. And with additional ingredients or feed additives, you can actually influence or replace, in some cases, pharmaceuticals that could be used in animals. And so this has been a great thing about DSM is we're seeing a bigger picture and not only how you can feed animals, but also bringing in the environmental footprint aspect of animal production. And also in this episode, we want to focus on telling the other side of the story. Since, you know, you've shared with me that the average consumer is getting more and more removed or distant from the actual food production. That's why we want to bring them much closer to what we do. So the next question is, what are DSM's overarching nutrition goals in providing safe, healthy food to our consumers? 
the average consumer is very far removed from our food production. So today, consider one in 10 people actually in the Western world actually have a close tie to food production. So it's a very, very small percent. Um, but what is it that the DSM is wanting to do in this space? And what are some of our overarching nutrition goals? We would look at how we can bring our resources to think about creating animal protein, first and foremost, that's very sustainably produced. Sustainability is our core value. It underpins our purpose-led performance-driven strategy. Um, and we look at how we can advocate for a healthy and balanced nutrition for all. How do we improve the nutrient content for both feed and a food? And how we can produce more with finite resources. I mean, we are living in a world where we have finite natural resources available, yet, as we've already talked about, this increasing population. So how can we feed the world's growing population and do that in a way that is within the planetary boundaries that we're living in? Could you elaborate more on what we're doing at DSM to bring this to life? Do we have a program that sits behind this to make sure that we are on target? Yeah, absolutely. So we have an initiative that we call We Make It Possible. And We Make It Possible is so much more than, than just an initiative. It's really becoming the DNA of how we operate within our animal nutrition business. Um, we Make It Possible is a declaration that we've put out to say we're going to focus in six areas and everything we do in our business in animal nutrition and health is targeting these six areas to ensure that we are impacting the most important areas in animal production. These six areas would be things like improving the lifetime performance of farm animals would be one. Another one would be improving the quality of animal protein while reducing food loss and waste. Another one would be reducing emissions from livestock, making efficient use of natural resources, reducing the reliance on marine resources, and helping tackle antimicrobial resistance would round out the six areas of focus. Thank you for sharing this, and we will dive deeper in some of these areas. I would love to hear more from you. How does DSM products lead to increased sustainability at farm level for food producers? Well, to feed nearly 10 billion people by 2050 sustainably and responsibly within our planet's capabilities, we feel the urgency is now. Like, there is no more time to procrastinate or to delay in making change. So we're focused on these six areas to support our livestock value chain and address the challenges facing the planet. So what we're doing is improving the quality of meat, milk, fish, eggs, while reducing the food loss and waste. Approximately one third of the food derived from animal protein production is currently lost or wasted. That's huge, one third. So the action at every stage of the food supply chain is required to tackle this issue. We are transforming the ways we feed animals in order to improve the quality of meat, milk, fish and eggs, thereby reducing loss and waste. So thank you, Christy, for sharing a little bit more on this. And we let's go through a little bit of the We Make It Possible initiative, the buckets that we have. You know, what are we doing to improve the quality of food while reducing food loss and waste? Yeah, this is important because approximately one third of our food derived from animal protein production is currently lost or wasted. Every stage of the food supply chain 
can make improvements. And so what are we doing about it? Well, we're transforming the way that we're feeding animals. Um, and that includes meat, that includes dairy cow, that includes fish and layer hens uh, by focusing on optimum vitamin nutrition. So making sure that each of these species has the right level of vitamins in their diets. Through this, we can help reduce food loss and waste. Um, vitamins, of course, are vital for life. They are essential components of all of the biological processes. And by ensuring animals are fed these optimum levels, we can help address some of these common issues that result in food loss. Since what we're doing is to ensure our animals get the best optimum and vitamin nutrition in their diets, this closely ties in with the area of improving the lifetime performance of our animals. Can you tell us more about what benefits this brings us? You know, this is an important concept to think about from a sustainability perspective and, and an overall animal welfare issue. So ensuring that we're improving animal health and welfare at every stage of life. Um, and think about, practically speaking, if you're a swine producer and you're raising pigs and you have sows in your herd, and if each of those sows can have one more litter and can stay in the herd a year longer, that has significant benefits to you. Um, and so these health issues and how we manage health can uh, reduce the performance of an animal over its lifetime. And so by ensuring that there's proper nutrition and welfare and health management, we can improve efficiency by as much as 33%. We design species-specific, smart nutritional plans that can improve animal health, welfare, and overall performance across the lifetime of that animal. Wow, that's really cool what we're doing at DSM. Thank you for sharing that. And animal nutrition, animal business, there are also a lot of emissions that come from livestock. So how can we reduce emissions from livestock? Can you give us some examples of what we're doing? This is a very controversial and hot topic right now, especially on the heels of COP26. So methane emissions were in a lot of headlines. It's very important for us that we're finding ways to reduce greenhouse gas emissions uh, from cows as animal farming can account for 14.5% of all human-derived greenhouse gas emissions. This needs to be rapidly reduced to help limit the rise in the global temperatures to one and a half degrees Celsius by 2050. Um, so how do we do that? Well, we're improving feed digestibility and reducing feed conversion ratio is one of the opportunities we have for sustainable animal production. But in addition to lessening that strain on land use and producing more crops, this approach reduces the indirect greenhouse gas emissions associated with animal protein production. But we also have feed enzymes that can improve digestibility, ensuring that we're unlocking the full potential of our raw materials so we can get more out of less feed. And this hugely reduces the environmental impact of animal production. In addition to launching a product that we're very proud and excited about at DSM called Bavare, which will directly reduce the methane emissions from cattle. Thank you. And um, can we explain what feed digestibility and feed enzymes is to our listener? We eat a meal and we want to ensure that we digest all of that food, hopefully it's a nice healthy salad with some animal protein. You want to digest it in a way that your body can take advantage of all those nutrients that you've just consumed. It's no different for the animals. So animals may have 
soybean meal or corn, a combination of, it could be other protein sources as well into the diet. We need to make sure that they have all of the enzymes necessary to be able to break down those feedstuffs or those components in their diet so they can get all of the nutrients out of that feed available to their body. Phosphorus is one of the key nutrients that each of the animals need. And so phytase is a common enzyme used in animal diets that when fed to the animal enables more phosphorus to become available to that animal to be used in their biological processes. And protease would be another enzyme. Same thing, when it's fed with the animal in the diet, then it breaks down the protein further, making more of those amino acids available for the animal to use. Wow, this is definitely something that uh, isn't easy to explain, but I think you've done a really great job. Thank you. It's, uh, It's a very sophisticated science. It is very, very complex from what I'm hearing. The next pillar that we have is making efficient use of natural resources for the We Make It Possible initiative. What are we doing to make efficient use of natural resources at DSM? Making efficient use of natural resources can cover a lot of areas. And so feed enzymes, one of the things I just spoke about, play a role here. As you think about efficient use of natural resources, what does that really mean? That means that field you're driving by when you're in the countryside of corn, or that field that you're driving by in the countryside of oilseed rape or canola or soybeans. We want to make sure that any of that that ends up in the animal diet is as effective and as it goes as far as it can in terms of providing the nutrients that the animals need. So the efficient use of natural resources ensures that with those use of the enzymes that we're extracting all of the digestible components out of those grains for the animal to use. Those enzymes improve that digestibility and then they can reduce the overall amount of this corn or the soybeans that are needed in the diet to get that same level of requirements for the animal. So they enable a greater use of those crops that you've just driven by in the field. That That crop can go farther to feed more animals to produce more food. So it starts at the crop level. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because those are the main inputs into the animal diet. And so you're starting starting with that field of corn. And if you're, if you're a dairy farmer, you may have your own corn or soybeans and hay, but you also may need to buy more than what you have on your own farm to be able to feed your herd. And so it's very important that you utilize all of those inputs as effectively as you can, because it's very expensive. And feed accounts for 65 to 70% of the total cost of production. It's just the feed for the animal. I would also like to ask you more about what we're doing to reduce the reliance on marine resources. Has DSM developed any cool or interesting technology to support this? This is a very cool technology I'm about to tell you about. Um, It's called Veramaris. This is our strategy to help reduce the reliance on marine resources. Um, Because what it does is it allows an alternative raw material use in aquaculture diets. So today in aquaculture diets, a lot of times fish meal is used to provide that oil to the fish. So what's happening now is we're cultivating marine algae that naturally produce omega-3, so your EPK and your DHA, and then 
through that algal source of oil, feeding that to the fish. So now we can help reduce the reliance on wild fish stocks for the aquaculture diets. So this will enable the aquaculture industry to grow and putting less pressure on the fisheries. You also mentioned that one of the things that we do for the animal business is to tackle the antimicrobial resistance. Can you first explain what antimicrobial resistance is? Absolutely, because this is an important topic for everyone. Everyone should be concerned about antimicrobial resistance. Why is that? Well, it's something that the UN, for example, is calling a silent pandemic within our food system. And so antimicrobial resistance is the emergence of superbugs that are resistant to the antibiotics that we have. Currently, estimates assume that we could be seeing 700,000 deaths per year due to antimicrobial resistance, due to ineffectiveness of antibiotics working in humans. Um, Animal agriculture is a key player in this crisis because over half of all antimicrobial use happens within within animal agriculture. So it is a slow moving global pandemic, if you will. So we need more alternatives to antimicrobials to use in animal diets to save the usage in humans. So how do we control this? Well, we need to be good stewards of the technology. We have been able to reduce the use in animal agriculture. We continue to do so. We are in the sixth consecutive year of decline of antibiotics used in animal agriculture. And it's important to look at this holistically uh, because we don't want sick animals as well. And so we need to get to a situation where we are using antibiotics very sporadically and for therapeutic in situations that that require it. Wow, we've covered so much about the We Make It Possible initiative. How do we tie this in with our food systems commitments that we have made? Yeah, so we take our food system commitments and then that guides a lot of our actions and our decisions within our business, because it is very important that we then take those high-level commitments mm-hmm. as a company and we say, okay, how can we ensure that we are investing in our pipeline to continue to bring alternatives to antibiotics, for example? How can we continue to invest in our pipeline to bring more products to the market that uh, enhance digestibility and reduce the use of our natural resources, the very finite natural resources. And so we we are really trying to live this on a day-to-day basis. Um, we believe in our commitments. We are also very transparent about our goals. Mm-hmm. So by 2030, we're seeking to reduce our own greenhouse gas emissions by 30%. Uh, we're also aiming to Uh, aiming for 75% of our power to be renewably sourced, and we're looking to increase our energy efficiency by 1% a year to that date. Um, We've also been recognized in leaders as sustainability at DSM uh, by various firms. Um, But for me, that's that's great, but we have so much more work to do. Mm -hmm. There are so many things that we can do as it relates to the areas where we're investing in research, Also, we have a great opportunity with a new technology called Sestel, which is essentially 
a farm software option for telling you what your sustainability farm print is. It's a super, super cool technology. And we always talk about how do we reduce our impact on the planet, but how do you measure that? Yeah. Yeah. So it's very important to reduce it unless you have a way to measure it. You don't know if you're having an impact or not. And so we're very, very pleased about launching Sistel. Um, Sistel is the software that enables us to actually have a value for that sustainability farm print. Thank you. Christy, how do our consumers benefit from DSM? Assuming our consumers are enjoying healthy animal source protein, then they should be enjoying those from a balanced animal protein diet. Um, Ensuring that we are doing our part to provide tools and technologies available to our customers is a very important part. And so this for me and my children, this is what keeps me excited to come to work every day. Mm -hmm. So I'm doing exciting research, looking at cutting edge, how the microbiome can influence the overall health of an animal. And we can bring more products to the market that help maintain a healthy animal environment for our animal end users. I always think about the animals as the the end user customer, but, but in the end, those animals are being produced for animal protein. So the more that we can ensure that we've got healthy products, that those animals benefit from those healthy products, we can provide balanced animal protein diet for each of us mm-hmm. and our families. How is animal nutrition different from human nutrition? You can't just market something and claim this is the new thing for animal nutrition. There's a lot of checks and balances. Whereas for human nutrition, that. Sometimes, you know, people do get away with that. I'm not sure if that's something you want to cover. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, you've got, um, it it actually is a stricter regulatory environment. How is animal nutrition different than human nutrition? Well, on a scientific level, it's not that different. Mm -hmm. Uh, This intersection between nutrition and health that we're seeing in functional medicine is just as relevant in an animal as it is in each of us. From a regulatory standpoint, interestingly enough, it's quite different. In fact, it's much more strict oftentimes for the supplements and the claims that we can make than it is for us. Last time I walked into a drugstore, the rows and rows of options I had from vitamins and supplements and probiotics and everything that I could ever want to help me live longer, less wrinkles, more health, more energy, blah, 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 you name it. The claims are everywhere, far and wide, and there's very little substance behind a lot of them. That's not how it works in the animal world. So we are very, very scientific. The responsibility that we have in ensuring that uh, the scientific credibility behind each of those claims is very thorough and well-vetted and years of research into each of these additives. Thank you. What do you personally wish to see transform in the field of animal nutrition and animal business? For me personally, it's how do we take this intersection between nutrition and health even higher? And what I mean by even higher is there's so many elements of precision and personalization that are coming to play, both in the human side as well as the animal side. It's just as relevant for an animal. And, and again, there's genetic factors at play, environmental factors at play, how they respond. The more that we can understand how these animals are responding and reacting 
the more that we can ensure that we are creating the maximum healthy environment and ensure the maximum health and welfare of these animals and do it in a way that has the least amount of impact on the environment. Because it's very important that we can feed our population, we can provide the animal protein that's necessary, but yet within our planetary boundaries. Thank you, Christy. And do you have some final tips for our listeners out there? And nutrition experts will say an egg a day keeps the doctor away. So keep that in mind. It's not just an apple. An egg a day keeps the doctor away. Oh, thank you for sharing this. So thank you, Christy, so much for joining us on this episode. I've learned so much and I'm sure our listeners have learned a lot today as well. And how are you feeling right now before we close this episode? Hungry. We've talked so much about animal protein production and nutrition and digestibility that uh, having a nice omelet seems like uh, it should be in in tall order. Oh, (laughs) I love the answer. (laughs) Well, Christy, thank you so much for being with us on this episode. We really enjoyed it. All right. Well, thank you so much for having me. It was a lot of fun and a pleasure to be here. Here's a quick recap on the We Make It Possible initiative. Number one, improving lifetime performance of farm animals. Number two, reducing food loss and waste. Number three, reducing emissions from livestock. Number four, making efficient use of natural resources. Number five, reducing our reliance on marine resources. And number six, helping to tackle antimicrobial resistance. While we're on the topic of reducing food loss and waste, here are some tips on how you could reduce food waste at home. Number one, plan your meals. Number two, know how to store your food. Number three, understand the differences between use by versus best before dates. Number four, use what you have. Number five, avoid serving too much. Number six, know your molds. Number seven, share extra food with others. And number eight, repurpose waste where possible. With that being said, which tip would you start using today to help reduce food loss and waste in your own house? Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Learn FM. Don't forget to share what you have learned from this podcast with others. Because when we learn together, we grow together.